morning, good morning, good morning. I am so delighted to be here and to see all of your smiling faces. As usual, I have a lot of content, and I'm letting it go, and letting Spirit guide me. <laughs> there are, well, let me start. The topic for today is the body is not an apology. And when I saw that and when I started looking at some of the um, offerings for this, I go, wow, this is so perfect for where I am on my own life's journey right here and right now. You know, one of the things that we learned, well, actually I learned it before ministerial school, was that um, the role of the minister is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. <laughs> and to also be willing to grow in the public eye. And so internally, um, I'm being challenged in my comfort zone and I'm also being comforted in that challenge. Um, I'm going in this week for a biopsy and I am affirming spontaneous, total healing before I go in there. They're not going to find anything. You know, whatever showed up on the MRI is going to magically disappear because I am claiming that my body is not an apology. It is whole, it is perfect and complete just as it is. And so I'm inviting you to just hold that idea for me and with me in your consciousness as we go through this week. Our monthly theme for Centers for Spiritual Living is all the colors of love. Just embrace that for a moment. All the colors of love. Love shows up in many forms and in many ways. And there are three events that are taking place this month that I wanted to call our attention to very briefly. Uh, this is Black History Month. Um, the whole month of February is dedicated to the celebration of the accomplishments and the achievements of African Americans, as well as highlighting the struggles that continue, not only for African Americans, for, but for people of color, people who are marginalized for whatever reason that there is. This is also the season for peace and nonviolence. And if you're not familiar with that, that is a 64-day period between the assassination of Mahatma Gandhi and the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And so there are 64 inspirational affirmations for each day of this period, and I'll share a couple of those with you. And the other one, of course, is Valentine's Day which is Friday, so we get to celebrate love in that form. I wanted to share with you, this, this is the morning for the reading from the Science of Mind magazine, so I encourage you to go get a copy if you haven't done so already. But Michael Gott uh, wrote a very interesting um, article that addresses black history, and I thought I would share that with you. Uh, the title, th and this is the reading for... Um, February 4th, which was last Tuesday. So we're in the same week. How about that? <laughs> uh, the title of this article is Stories of Overcoming. 
And this quote is from Thurgood Marshall, who was a Supreme Court Justice of the United States. I believe he was the first African-American to sit in that position. I, in, re or, in recognizing the humanity of our fellow beings, we pray ourselves the highest tribute. In imagining the, the humanity of our fellow human beings, we pay ourselves the highest tribute. And then from Science of Mind, Dr. Holmes writes, through spiritual discernment, we see that we have within us a power which is greater than anything we shall ever connect, a power that can overcome every obstacle in our experience. And then Michael writes this, February is Black History Month. Although it is now celebrated beyond the United States, the history of racial inequality in America is unique, and this observance and celebration here are vitally important. Healing is needed. The institutional nature of American slavery was unlike anything ever experienced in human history. Since slavery was abolished in the 19th century, some wonder why are we still talking about it. Aren't we equal now? The grooves worn into the collective consciousness by this atrocity are deep, very deep. And if we look at post-slavery history of the lynchings and Jim Crow, we can see the wounds of slavery linger. They linger still, yet we have so many stories of African-American men and women from every stage in our history who rose above the limits of collective consciousness to reveal their power and nobility. They call us to be better, to strive for greater equality. And in our church, Centers for Spiritual Living and also Unity, um, Michael is the senior minister at Unity of Houston, although he was trained as a science mind minister, so he bridges both of those uh, teachings very gracefully and very uh, intelligently. So in our church, we have some deep conversations about justice and racism. It's hard work. But the stories we are hearing are amazing, heartbreaking, inspiring. Something is happening. Spirit is being revealed out of the worst of separation thinking. These stories remind me that the power to overcome conditions lies within us all. It takes courage and commitment. We can do it. You can do it. I can do it. Together, we will bring about the change and we can share our own stories of overcoming. And then for the affirmations for the season for nonviolence. Um, I like yesterday's affirmation for February the 8th. And it says, I find a way to treat myself to a peace-filled experience. I find a way to treat myself to a peace-filled experience. And the quote for today, I cause a ripple effect of good by an act of kindness towards another. I cause a ripple of good 
by an act of kindness towards another. And then for Valentine's, I want to share a story. I found this little interesting piece. Some of you may be familiar with it, and some of you may not. If you are, bear with me. If you're not, something new. <laughs> Valentine's Day, of course, occurs on February the 14th across the United States and other places in the world. And so it's recognized with candy and flowers and gifts between loved ones and friends, all in the name of St. Valentine. However, the origins of Valentine's is a pagan festival that took place in February. I see some heads nodding. Great, great. According to legend, some suggest the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's feast day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupkilia. This is a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as to the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. To begin the festival, members of the Lupriki, an order of Roman priests, would gather a sacred calf where the infants Romulus they would gather in a sacred cave where the infant infants, Romulus and Remulus, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf, or Lupa. The priest would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. I'm glad we're beyond that stage. <laughs> I am so glad we're beyond that stage. The goat's hide was made into strips dipped into the sacrificial blood, and taken to the streets, gently slapping both women and crops, fields with the goat hide. Now, you can pause here for imagine and imagine someone going through the streets today with a goat hide slapping women on the back. What kind of response do you think they'd get? <laughs> Not very welcoming. <laughs> Far from being fearful, however, the Roman, will, Roman women welcomed this touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. And according to legend, the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn and the city's bachelors would choose a name and be paired for the year with this chosen woman. Think that would go over well today? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> These matches, however, often ended in marriage. So this might be a way of testing the waters, if you will. <laughs> Valentine's Day is a day of romance. Lupercalia survived the initial rise of Christianity. However, it was outlawed as it was deemed unchristian at the end of the 5th century when Pope Galatius declared February 14th, Valentine's Day. Now, Lupercalia was celebrated on February 15th. And the church, in its infinite wisdom, was changed, changed the date to February 14th. It is also commonly believed that in France and England, February 14th was the beginning of birds' mating season, which added to the idea that the middle of Valentine should be a day of romance. 
How about that for your morning history? <laughs> Our theme this morning, the body is not an apology. Some very interesting observations. And in addition to the Science of Mind textbook and some other references, I was, I was actually, I had Valentine's on my mind when I, when I sat down to prepare this. And I knew that I had a book about love on my bookcase. So I'm going through and I'm shuffling. I go, I know it's by Ruiz. And I think I had all of the Don Miguel Ruiz books together. Well, sandwiched in between the love book and something else was this little book that I have had for eons. And the title is, Regardless of What You Were Taught to Believe, There Is Nothing Wrong With You. Isn't that a comforting feeling? Just from the title, going beyond self-hate, a compassionate process for learning to accept yourself exactly as you are. And you can see the tabs and the bookmarks. And did I underline this one? No, this one survived the underlining and the highlighting. <laughs> but I, I picked this up and I go, this is exactly what spirit wants me to reflect on this morning, not only in light of what's happening within my own body temple, what's happening in the body of my affairs, but what is happening in the world of effect. You know, we've bought into this, some of us have bought into this erroneous idea that there's something wrong with us. You know, modern media continues to present the body as well as many aspects of life as something flawed and in need of fixing. One of the things I want to digress for a moment and share with the two practitioner interns, as you're going through your training and you'll learn all of the intellectual stuff about healing and health and wellness and wholeness, and you'll learn the techniques of, of managing a practitioner session. Above all of that, remember that the clients that come to you are not broken. They're whole. They don't need fixing. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing broken. So carry that with you as you go through your studies. And I say that to the remainder of you who are here. You yourself are not broken. You're not flawed. You're not damaged. There's nothing to be fixed. The same with your family, your friends, your cousins, and your nephews, your aunties, your uncles, whoever. There is nothing to be fixed. Even though we like to put a band-aid on things because we don't sometimes like to see the blood or the goo or whatever is emerging from that. But allow each one to have their own experience. Because each one of us comes to that recognition at some point in our lives that I am good enough just as I am. Dr. Margaret Stortz uh, wrote a beautiful little book titled I Am Enough. And I don't know if you have it in your bookstore or not, but I would recommend that, that you read that. I am good enough. No, no, I am enough. I am enough. And so we can declare today that all bodies are beautiful, that God is present in all bodies. And that invites us to the challenge that I would like to offer to you, and that is to shift the view because if we make the shift within our own selves right here and right now, the world around us starts to shift 
and it has a ripple effect. The black body is not an apology. The brown body is not an apology. The fat body is not an apology. The skinny body is not an apology. The body with disabilities is not an apology. The short body nor the tall body is not an apology. And the list can go on and on and on. All of those things that are put over in the back corner behind the closed door that society says are not beautiful, open that door. Open that door and let the beauty come out. Let the beauty radiate. Because as we said in the beginning, all of the colors of love are reflected in the individualized beauty that shows up in the world around us. Sherry Huber, who's the author of this book, gives a little insight into this idea that the world has bought into, if you will, about self-hate. And I'm sharing with you from page eight. Um, this is a little graph that she does that kind of outlines how we get into this place of self-hate or self, self, um, I don't like to use the word hate. That's a little bit strong. Uh, maybe self-misunderstanding. A child is born and the child learns to turn away from self towards other to get needs met. This is the point where the child stops trusting their intuitive knowing. If the need is not met, then the child believes it is because he or she is bad. Then the child abandons self and decides to be perfect to what others want. I just won't need anything. I shouldn't be afraid. I'll do everything right. And the child begins to develop several behaviors. These behaviors are self-denying, self-persevering, self-destructive, shuts down emotionally, eats to stuff feelings, etc. The individual using self-hate behaviors tries to be a good person, values others over self, denies self unnecessarily, uses ideals against self. Kind of quiet in here. It's kind of striking on some nerves, huh? This leads to suffering. The person tries everything to make conditioning work. Awareness work. The person finds compassion and self-acceptance. The child is reborn. So today is our opportunity to reborn, to find that place of inner compassion and self-acceptance. Say with me, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Yes, yes, yes. Concepts like self-acceptance and body neutrality are not without value. 
When you have spent your entire life at war with your body, these models offer a truce. But you can have more than a ceasefire. You can have a radical self-love because you are already, you are already radically self-loving. And this quote is by Sonia Renee Taylor. And she is the author of the book, The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. And so we may ask what the body does and what the body is. The body, as in all of its physical reality, is a manifestation of the divine in a form which we can, inter which we can interact with. Our body is the vehicle that God is living in, housing our soul, so it may engage and interact with everything around us. The body then should be respected and celebrated for the perfect way it houses each one of us. Loving our body. Our culture encourages a constant battle against our bodies, and this worldview opposes the spiritual truth. And that opposition comes into play when we buy into this idea that I am insecure. I'm a failure. I require outside approval. I'm guided by labels, both internal and external. And, and the idea that came to my mind is that some of us are guided by designer labels. We feel that that gives us something, you know, makes us feel good. Now, I do believe in quality merchandise, quality clothing, quality self-care, because it does make you feel better. It, it, it lifts us up. But allow that upliftment to start from the inside and allow the external to be a supplement to and a boost to what is already on the inside. Society tells us that we must diet to achieve a certain body image or engage in working ourselves to the point of exhaustion, missing sleep, more and more commitments. I'm starting to recognize the commitments that I've said yes to, and I've gone back and renegotiated a couple of major commitments and said, you know, right now I don't have the time. I said yes in the moment, and now I am renegotiating that. I can be available as a consultant, but I'm not going to be available to you on a 24-7 basis. I'm not going to be available to anybody but spirit on a 24-7 basis. <laughs> Are these self-limiting things what the body wants? No. The body is intelligent, created on the divine idea. Listen to it. Love it. And just as you love your mind and your heart, love your body. And as I was reflecting on this in terms of what is happening with me, uh, you know, when, whenever there's a diagnosis of something that um, is not like the total self, you know, we engage in a battle against whatever that is. You know, I'm going to fight this, I'm going to fight this, I'm going to fight that. 
And I started thinking about that, and I go, no, I don't want to engage in a fight. I don't want to fight with anyone or anything. And so I am going to love this experience. I'm going to see, okay, you know, I'm affirming that a spontaneous cure, spontaneous healing is taking place. And just in case, and I know this is denial, this is not what we teach, <laughs> but going into, into that human space, recognizing that in this human incarnation, if something is there, then I am going to shower that whatever it is with love. I am going to heal it with love. And I am inviting, I am inviting my family and all of my friends and, and my family here at CSL Monterey to just love that experience, whatever it is. It's either a no thing or it's something that is going to become a no thing. That's what I am declaring. Practice listening to the body. Befriending it. Allowing it to have a say in the choices and activities of your life. Rather than living a life of hoping I'm okay. I own what I do. I respect and love the way that I show up as only I can. Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind textbook on page 99, paragraph 2. Um, and I invite you, if you have a Science of Mind textbook uh, during your contemplation time, during your quiet time, during your meditation time, read chapter 5. It's all about the body. But Ernest Holmes says this, Body expresses intelligence. Isn't that a wonderful... Just, just that, those three words. Body expresses intelligence. It's apparent intelligence being lent by the consciousness which permeates it. The physical body is evolved for the purpose of allowing consciousness to function on this plane. So wherever we were hanging out, before we incarnated into this body. There was something in the cosmos that we agreed to that said, take on this form, take on this human form, take on this incarnation. Go and hang out with other human souls, other human beings, and embrace the lessons that this experience is bringing to the soul, for the soul to expand to its higher and higher and higher elevation. That's why we're here. We're here to embrace ourselves and to embrace each other in love. Here's a big one. Appreciate every single relationship that we've had and learned so much from. Now that's a tall order when we're going through an emotional experience where the relationship did not go the way that we wanted it to go. However, that outpictures. But consider this. There are amazing people who loved us and continue to love us. And there are those who haven't discovered their true power. And because they have not discovered their true power, they have unintentionally hurt us and others around them. You may be familiar with the expression, 
hurt people, hurt people. And so it's an opportunity to love ourselves through that hurt process. And as we love ourselves, as we remember the true value of who we are, that we are not an apology for anything, we come to that conviction. Then we can move into that place where we love those who unintentionally hurt us. I really don't believe that anyone intentionally sets out to do harm. It's a learned behavior. It's a learned practice. It's a learned pattern that has been the model that they have only known. And again, quoting Dr. Margaret Stortz, once you know, you can no longer not know. And so it then becomes our responsibility as people of faith, as people who believe in and study and practice spiritual principles, those of us who are aware that we're on the spiritual journey to recognize that, yes, hurt people hurt people. And there are places in my own life where I may have unintentionally hurt someone and I ask forgiveness of myself first and foremost. And then I ask forgiveness of the other person that I have unintentionally and unconsciously hurt. And so this allows us to go forth in the flow of our lives, to send love to everyone, and to love ourselves each moment. And I have a poem that I want to close with. Um, and I invite you to just reflect on these words. And before, before each decision this week, or anytime you're feeling stuck, close your eyes and ask your body what it wants to tell you. Give it the opportunity to be heard and to be loved. Stop limiting yourself with disbelief. And if you're willing, I invite you to close your eyes for a moment and listen to these words. And I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. It took a long breath and replied, I've been waiting my whole life for this. No might make them angry, but it will make you free. If no one has ever told you, your freedom is more important than their anger. And I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. And it took a long breath and replied, I've been waiting my whole life for this. If the ocean can calm itself, so can you. We are both salt water mixed with air. And I invite you to just gently bring your awareness back into the room. And let's close with this affirmation. Let's declare this boldly. My body, exactly as it is, is a perfect and glorious instrument of the divine. 
I take pride in. I revel in the glory that is my body now. Let us pray. Good and gracious and loving spirit. Loving creator of everything that there is. Everything that is in the visible and in the invisible, I know that I am one with. And as this is true for me, I affirm it and I declare it and I know it for each one that is gathered here and those who are not here in physical presence. Because the love of spirit, the love of God, is not bound by time and location. So these physical walls do not contain or limit God's love. How good that is to know. And so I declare and I recognize and I speak my word knowing that love is absolutely all that there is. That I am created in love, by love, of love. And that all I express is love. And so accepting this truth for myself, I know that love is the answer to every single question. Love is the answer to every seeming problem. Love is the answer to relationships, abundance, to joy, to beauty, to right livelihood, to everything that the heart desires based in love. The answer lies. And so I declare that healing is taking place in the body, temple, and in the body of all affairs through love. I know that right action is taking place. However that may show up for each individual, I know that right action, divine right action, is taking place because it is grounded in love. And so I go forth and celebrate the love in my life moment by moment, by moment. And for this, and so, so much more, I am eternally grateful. And I release this word into the activity of love, which directs the law. And the law only says yes to the action and the direction that love has given it. And so I let this go, knowing that my word cannot return void, that it must manifest what I have declared. And I release this and allow it to be. And I invite us to affirm this together by saying, and so it is. Thank you very much and good morning. <laughs>